welcome to Two Sober Chicks. We bring you another speaker today. This is Linda R. from Atlanta, Georgia, and her home group, It's in the Book. Linda, welcome to AA Solution Seekers. Good morning, everybody. I'm Linda. I'm a great recovered alcoholic. Honor and a pleasure to be here. Uh, let me just pause uh, before I go any further and say the set-aside prayer. God, today help me set aside everything I think I know about you, everything I think I know about myself, everything I think I know about others, and everything I think I know about my own recovery. So I may have an open mind and a new experience with all these things. Please help me see the truth. All right. I was blessed with the um, gift of sobriety on November 29th of 2017. And that is truly a miracle. As I said, thank y'all for having me. It's an honor, uh, privilege, and pleasure to be able to serve uh, and give back to this program that has absolutely changed my life and saved my life. So the book starts out with something um, that I didn't have when I got here, and that's hope, the message of hope. Uh, and it tells me about we are 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And we're going to show you exactly how we did that. Okay. And then, uh, of course, and there are the solution, they reinforce that. But first, they let the doctor, Silkworth, tell me uh, some stuff, some facts that I didn't know about who I am, what I am, and why I am. Um, he talks about the mental and physical allergy, as you know. Um, one reason that AA works so well is because it has an understanding of the problem understanding of the solution and understanding of the spiritual program of action to get to that solution. And without that, for I was just spinning my wheels for a long time because when I first got to AA, I thought all I had to do was not drink. So I worked a program of just not drinking for several years. Yeah. And of course, the pink cloud took me for quite a while uh, as far as being around AA, not necessarily in AA, because there's two different things. But uh, Dr. Silkworth talks about the ease and comfort that I got from uh, from alcohol. I like the effect. Well, uh, a paradox today is that same ease and comfort that I got from alcohol, I now get from AA. I'm irritable, restless, and discontent until I can once again experience that sense of ease and comfort that comes with working with a sponsee going to a meeting, working steps, and staying in conscious contact with my higher power. It's amazing. AA does for me slowly what alcohol and drugs did for me quickly. And for that reason, it's much more valuable. It's, uh, it's a spiritual type of uh, relief. And uh, if it wasn't for that, of course, it tells us that a spiritual experience is the whole reason really, that they wrote the book, talked about that on page 45, uh, lack of power is our dilemma. And what we are trying to do by writing this book is to get you in touch with a power that will solve your problem. It didn't say a power so Linda can solve her problem, because I never could solve my problem, and I still can today without help. So it's very important to realize what they're talking about. And they say only one problem, whereas in before, I think, uh, and Bill's story talks about problems, which is plural. So by this time in the literature, I've transitioned from thinking that alcohol 
my drinking is my problem to really, they're setting me up to realize that my main problem is me. Selfishness and self-centeredness. Um, and uh, my story in the book, and we all have one, um, Freedom from Bondage, it says that most doctors and psychologists would tell me that I drank as a result of what happened to me in my life. AA has taught me that I drank because of the way I reacted to what happened to me in my life. Because everything is extreme. Everything was about me. Everybody was picking on me. I uh, came from, uh, oh, I got here as a con artist, a thief, a liar, and all the other things that qualified me as an alcoholic and, and, and that I became in order to adjust to the insanity of my disease uh, and my selfish and self-centeredness. So I, I uh, grew up, most like, we have so much in common. You know, the book, I love the literature because it's spiritual in nature and it's meant to be studied and it meets me where I am. Uh, so the book is like my autobiography and biography form. It tells me the truth about me before I even knew the truth about me. And not only that, it keeps telling me the damn truth, you know, over and over again, because I have to continue to read it. Because if not, I'm going to make up something. I'm going to start living in that lie and that delusion and that denial. I have a disease of delusion, not denial. I, I'm just, uh, uh, I make up stuff. <laughs> uh, I'm an alcoholic. My perspective is skewed. I don't see things the way other people see them. I don't react the way other people react. And I have an abnormal reaction to life and alcohol. So when I say that, uh, oh, I'm good. I'm not drinking. Oh, my God. Yeah, I worked a five-step program. Because after all, step six and seven can't be that important. It's only the paragraph. I mean, I don't really need to do that. And then, of course, if I don't do six and seven, I'm not going to do eight and nine. And, uh, oh, prayer meditation, step 10, if uh, I check inventory, uh, uh, no, I got some stuff now and I got a life, right? Oh, my God. It's one of those half measures, easier, softer ways. And uh, the result was nil until I let go after Lulu. What did it take me to let go after Lulu? A well-whooped ass. A well-whooped ass. I had to finally receive a fatal dose of alcoholism. The first time around, or first two or three times around, I didn't get the whole purpose of the program, which is to carry the message. Bill W. says that if an alcoholic fails to enlarge and perfect his spiritual life, he cannot meet the certain troubles and trials ahead. But see, I put a period there. He actually says this. If an alcoholic fails to perfect and enlarge the spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice, oh, I missed that part by working with others. I won't be able to meet the trials and troubles ahead. And I wasn't when it came down to it because I worked a selfish program. I would do the recovery, the bottom of the pyramid. Okay, I got a foundation. And I would do the unity, parties, gatherings, meetings, da-da-da-da. But I was, it wasn't enforced and it wasn't really suggested strongly that I sponsor. And I'm not blaming that on anyone with 
put me because I'm an alcoholic. I will take that easier, softer way. Even today, I have to check myself because I'm still looking for a loophole. That one but that Linda will be just a little bit different from you guys because if I am, I don't have to do what you do to get what you got. See, so uh, yeah, kind of baffling and powerful, my disease as well as my mind. Um, so who we are, it took a lot. Um, so I finally got it right um, November of 2017 because I got I hit that sweet spot where I got the right sponsor and this sponsor had me sign a contract that said that if I walk you through the steps, you will sponsor at least four women after that. But I had been into a state of reasonableness over the years, not sponsoring, because I, I, I was like a mad scientist trying to see what is it that's missing. Okay, I'm not drinking, but I still drink. So next time around, I'll do more unity. I'm not drinking, I'm in recovery or around AA, not in AA, and I'm doing the unity, but I drank again. So then this time around, I do all three of them. They're equal in, in they're, it's an equilateral triangle and all three sides have to be done to the same proportion. Actually, the service part, it tells me in the book, will, will, will save me when all other things uh, fail. So really, that's the whole reason this program was set up. It's about love and service, love and service. And so um, I finally got uh, the right sponsor, um, started sponsoring, and I was as desperate as the dying. Uh, alcohol became the great persuader to the extent that it needed to be, I had to get a fatal dose of alcoholism because those other doses of alcoholism weren't fatal because I still had some reservations. I still had deep in the back of my mind, I'm just a little bit different. And that uniqueness almost killed me. So um, let's get to the book. On pages, uh, and there is a solution. It talks about the X problem drinker twice on page 18 and page 20. It says, the, but the X problem drinker who has found this solution, thank God, and who is properly on with the facts about himself can generally win the entire confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours until such an understanding is reached. Little or nothing can be accomplished. I was not armed with the facts about myself. And even when I was armed with some facts, I wasn't really trying to pass it on other than go to a meeting and blow smoke up your ass and, and say what I heard somebody else say because it sounded good. You know, I was, um, I coasted through the program. I was going through the motion. So my, my story is a cautionary tale of what not to do and what to do. Uh, there have been days when the only thing I did right was not take a drink. There have been more days when I did uh, enough of the program and had enough of a conscious contact to get that daily reprieve. And the thing is that I don't give that reprieve to myself. A reprieve is something that's granted to you by a higher power or outside entity higher than yourself with more authority. Same thing with being divorced from selfishness and self-seeking. In step 11, a divorce is granted. 
I don't divorce, can't grant a divorce for myself. So the, the, the point is, these are things that come from something outside of me, greater than me, higher than me, more authority than me. And uh, I have to remember that concept because what I have is, is uh, more, there's a lot of grace going on in my life today. That's what it is, a whole lot of grace. So, um, and then it says on page 19 that uh, our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. What an order. You mean, it's not all about me? You mean, it never was about me? Dang. And it was not until I got that concept in St. Francis of Assisi, it is by self-forgetting that one finds, yeah. Yeah, it is not until I realized that the father doeth the work. It is not until I finally got it that I am not the captain of my ship and the master of my fate or whatever that saying is. And uh, it's it was humbling. Uh, I was in the Air Force and, and we take this vow to serve our country no matter what, da-da-da-da. But AA, the commitment to AA over, it's even higher than that. It's higher than that. It's a promise to serve that uh, goes, encompasses my whole life. The Air Force did not change my whole life. This program does. All right, so enough of that. And then this whole thing is about a personality change of the transformation, the re-revolutionary changes sufficient enough to bring about a personality change uh, that will enable me to recover from alcoholism. That personality change, is, once again, is not granted by me. It's not really all up to me. It's about following the clear-cut directions in the book, the few simple rules that Dr. Silkworth talks about to get that psychic change. It's about doing exactly what's suggested um doing the things i don't want to do until i want to do them and it's amazing that when i do do them how much freedom and um how much of a different look uh, aspect outlook on life i'm given so it says that if you're seriously alcoholic as we are and i would that you i only have two options i have to remember that see being convinced means I got to remember stuff that I've already gone through, experienced, done the work to achieve. Um, and, and just the whole thing about I'm not drinking today and that's a bloody miracle. So I have two options, door number one or door number two. Go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consequences of my intolerable situation, number one, or reach out for spiritual help. And those options are always on the table. You're going to do the work or you're going to take a drink. Period. That's what I ask my son to eat. Because that's what it's all about. Um, and then it tells me um, what's required or what this program does for me after I've had a psychic change. But see, I got to know the problem first. Then I got to be willing to work the solution to the problem. And that is when spiritual experience or the psychic change um spiritual moment or awakening whatever because bill w he went to college and uh he was taught that it's redundant to use the same word over and over it's a sign of ignorance so 
spiritual awakening, psychic change, spiritual experience, call it what you want. But it's still the same thing. So uh, I used to get twisted about that. I, you know, I'm, well, what is a shortcoming and what is a defect and what is a, a mistake and flaw? It's the same thing. So anyway, it says on page 27 that the ideas, emotions, attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men and women are suddenly cast to one side and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. And that's what finally happened to me, a completely new set of motives and conceptions, ideas, perspectives began to take place. And they did become the most important thing in my life because after all, without my recovery and the spiritual program, I'm out of gas, I'm gonna die. And it threatens my life over and over in the book. It threatens it when it says uh, selfishness, self-centeredness, we must be rid of this or it kills us. It threatens us when it says redemptions are the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything. It threatens me when it says about resentments on the next page that, uh, let me get to it. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must, or it kills us. God makes that possible. They repeat themselves over and over again because I'm an alcoholic. You got to repeat it over and over. Repetition strengthens and confirms. I need to hear the same thing over and over because I will purposely forget and purposely go back to self-will and self-reliance. And then I'm really in trouble. And that was on page 62. The interesting thing, you know, if they had told me when I got to AA, Silkworth, Dr. opinion had said, you know, Linda, uh, Alcohol is not really your problem. I probably would have left because, you know, I know my problem. I drank too much and I drug. If I can just not do that, I'll be just fine. Thank you very much, AA. But they had to build. It builds on one paragraph, builds on another page, and another page builds on another chapter. So they had to prepare me by telling me what's wrong with me in doctor's opinion and what can fix me. And then they had to show me by example of Bill W. By the way, Bill W's story um, used to be the first story in the book, but uh, they needed some uh, professional outlook to kind of tell me what the problem, I cannot find the solution until I know what the problem is. So, and then they give Bill W's story so I can see how hopeless he was. The only thing I'm looking for in the literature, in the stories, in Bill's story is three things. Did I drink like him? Did I behave like him? Did I think like him? I'm there. Those three things. It's about relating. It's about identifying. And the newcomer has to identify with the solution. First of all, he's got to identify with the hope. And that's what hooked me. That was the hook for me because people were saying stuff up in the room and smiling and laughing. And I'm over in the corner in the fetal position and they singing Kumbaya. I'm like, what the hell? What are y'all on? Whatever it is, I want some of it. And, uh, but I could tell there was a genuineness, that sincerity in these people. They had this, what I call the AA glow in their, in their eyes that twinkle. And, uh, not everyone, but even if it was one person in that room and it was more than one, that it was something about what they said and how they said it 
that gave me some hope that maybe just maybe if this program worked for them, it'll work for me. And that started my journey. However, I'm like Bill W., the worldly clamors came in after I got on my feet and started getting some stuff because stuff was very important to me. I'm the number one material girl, okay? We grew up in a household with my mom, a single mother of six kids, alcoholic. Uh, we did without a lot of things. I never felt comfortable in my own skin like most of us. I, I never, I wanted to be anybody but me. I was the second oldest and not the favored. Uh, I looked just like my daddy. My mom hated my daddy. It's just all kind of crap, you know. But you, my story consists of two stories. What I think happened and what really happened. I'll tell you, my perspective, my perspective is thrown off. So a lot of the things that I think happened weren't really as bad or they really didn't happen to the extent that I thought. But it was always about me. And I, I, I saw girls in the neighborhood who had everything, nice clothes, popular, part of a game, which is not good, but anyway. And I wanted what they had. And I figured if I got what they had, I would be happy and the people would like me and I would be popular. And I left my mama's house at 18, gonna get me some. I, I got a master plan. I, I know what I need to make me happy. And it almost killed me. Why? because I had no coping skills. Why? Because it was based on selfishness and self-centeredness. Why? Because it was based on greed. Why? Because instincts ran riot. Instincts uh, drove my whole life. It was never about, I would promise God, God, I'm gonna help some other people when I get mine. But the thing is, I never did get enough of nothing. I never did get mine. So I didn't help the other people. Plus I was gonna help the other people because I was trying to get brownie points from God because these up there taking score you know I'm trying to get a gold star and all that crap it just really and he can't see me when I'm doing stuff that uh that I shouldn't be doing and then it talks about speaking of that on page 64 it talks about that I had to find the things that had been blocking me I had to search out the flaws in my makeup that caused my failure that's not a past tense that's a present tense that's a daily chore or assignment. I cannot be mistaken and fooled by this disease that I can do a one and done. I cannot uh, let my ego fool me into thinking I can work a cafeteria cafeteria-style recovery. I've done that. It didn't work. And this time, I may not make it back. But the kicker is, like I was saying, if they had told me drinking was not my problem, I would have left. But they wait until they give me some information about alcoholism, about all of our problems with the word God, because Bill had to, you know, he had to go there because we all got issues with God. And uh, then they hit me with that one-two punch, that severe right turn on page 60, when they tell me some real incredible, unbelievable stuff that, uh, First requirement is that I be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. Like what? I'm supposed to run my own life. Nobody else is going to run my own life. I can't trust anyone to run my own life. That my main trouble, all my troubles are based on selfishness and self-centeredness. And even before they say that, they give me some examples of self-will run riot, the actor directing the show, because I can't see me. I cannot see me. But if you write in the book about you, I see me in you. And they tell me how I've always tried to get my way one way or another. I would come at you with a smile 
that didn't work, I'm gonna come at you with a lie. If that didn't work, I'm gonna come at you with some money. Whatever it took for Linda to feel good about Linda or to get what Linda thought she needed. Even when I was um, saying that I was uh, people pleasing or, or that I really cared about people know what I really wanted was for you to pat me on the back and to respond the way I wanted to, to respond to whatever actions or motives that I was projecting. Uh, and motives are very important. I have to continue to check my motives also because uh, my ego will deceive me in that area as well. So anyway, they tell me that stuff and I'm like, dang, really y'all? You know, uh, I mean, I, I'm not real selfish, especially when I'm not drinking. You can't be, I mean, that doesn't apply. Yeah, it does. It applies. I'm selfish and self-centered drinking or not. Uh, I'm insane. I, I'm delusional drinking or not. So that's why I have to have a program that treats my thinking. The drinking, the the actions part, the will part has been put into abeyance. It has been uh, put into remission. The thinking is why 10, 11, and 12, 10, 11, and 12 are there. Because at the point I get to that point in the book, I should be convinced and being convinced it's all over the place. They just don't say the same word that my thinking is uh, going to take me back to my selfishness and self-centeredness and wanting to run the show and playing God. And so I have to practice exercise and giving my thinking to God. And I do that in 10, 11 and 12, especially in uh 11, where I do the prayer and meditation, and I ask him in the morning, okay, you run the show today. I got plans. Your plans are more important than mine. Please guide my decisions because I don't make real safe, sane decisions most of the time. Uh, please guide my actions. I'm giving you authority over me instead of me having authority over you and everything else. Because what I would do with God is I, I, I use him as a Santa Claus, y'all. I'd put him up on the shelf and then pull him down when I needed him and make all kind of promises. Some of them I meant. Uh, and, and then I put him back on the shelf and I go on about my merry way, playing God, living on self-will and self-reliance. Uh, I mean, nobody likes to be used. Nobody likes to be used. And that's what I did. Uh, and, uh, I finally realized that. So, of course, he didn't relieve, remove my alcoholism. Why would he? What was I offering in return? Promises? Broken promises? No. So, um, I love the fact that uh, my higher power is so gracious and loving. And, and his job is to counsel and to care for me and to guide me. So, I'm getting off track. Let's see. We want to look at the steps. Step one, as I told you, I finally had to have that fatal dose of alcoholism. And I got that by working with my sponsor, uh, listening to speaker tapes, going to conferences, and finally admitting defeat with no reservations. Um, step two, I knew I was insane, but the insanity they're, they're talking about is not the nuthouse insanity. It's the insanity that says you're going to keep on trying this. You're going to have you're gonna, you're, you're gonna, your obsession is gonna convince you you can go at it again. And, and because the deepest desire not to take a drink will be overruled by my mental obsession sooner or later, then that's insanity because I'm still trying to do the same thing. 
I do the same thing with my life, trying to run my life. That is insanity. When I see that I keep running into roadblocks, I keep stepping on people's toes. I still have anxiety and frustration when I don't get my way like a little spoiled child. And then step three, that's the kicker. What the book does, it takes me back to step three over and over and over again. Why? Because that's the that's the step that I enter into that contract with God. It tells me the why and the how of why I need to quit playing God. On page 62, this is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. Why? Because it didn't work, damn it. I mean, it's real simple. So anyway, I have a new employer. I've been into a contract with that new employer, just like any other employer in corporate America. When I'm hired, I have a set of job skills, of uh, duties, uh, requirements that I'm supposed to refer to every day and carry out in black and white. Well, here it is. Duh. Black and white. I can never say I don't know what to do. Uh, it's in black and white. I mean, all you got to do is read the book. All you got to do is go to pages 84 to 88. So that's a lie if I ever want to claim that I don't know how to stay sober. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. How can you not know it? Uh, so I entered into that contract. I got the job. God hired me, you know, and there are certain things that I must do to stay employed, um, to the most important job I've ever been hired for. And that third step prayer is awesome. So I try to do the third step and the seventh step prayer every day, as well as the, um, the ninth step, the night prayer, the morning prayer. And it helps. And I've never, before I didn't do prayer and meditation. I didn't do 10 through, um, 10 through 12 and any other periods of sobriety. Makes a world of difference when you follow the clear cut directions and the precise order they're laid out you know, and not just one time around, world of different, that's that revolutionary change they were talking about, it comes about, and my ideas and my emotions and my conceptions. So, uh, step four, uh, first step four, not thorough, held back a couple of things, not eh, those secrets. Um, another reason why uh, I failed, because uh, the result was nil until I let go absolutely and stopped doing the half nature. So I did an adequate, uh, thorough uh, fourth step. Uh, I didn't stop at the fifth step. By the way, they tell me what I did wrong uh, on page 73. The first time around, it says that um, having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they failed. We think the reason is that they never completed their house cleaning. They took inventory, all right, but hung on to some of the worst items in stock. She only thought she had lost her egoism and fear. She only thought she had humbled herself. But she had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense that we, the first 100, the forefathers, the founders, think it necessary. Until they told someone else all of their story humbled themselves and worked the rest of the steps, by the way. There, there's a caveat to that. So six and seven and 10 are the changing steps. It is impossible to work six, seven, and 10 to the extent suggested and not change. It's impossible. 
and they are very important steps. They are very important to us. When I'm offering, I gave part of myself to God and the third step, he gave me the courage to do four and five. And now, okay, God, I'm still sober. I lived through the fourth step. I thought I was going to die. Now I'm even more willing to give you more of me, maybe not 100%, but more of me than I was willing to give any other time in my life. Now, step eight is a tricky one because step eight is really about self-will and self-reliance. I thought it was about the other person. Not really. Uh, the thing about the sick man's prayer and the eight step prayer is I'm praying for others while praying for me. It's like, God, bless them. Help me. It's amazing. They trick me. It's a program of trickery uh, in that they trick me. I'm already praying before they tell me I'm praying. Every time you see we ask in the book, you're praying. Say what? Y'all, I mean, you didn't ask my permission to do that. And they don't need to. So anyway, uh, a lot of the prayers, uh, I got it twisted. I thought I was praying for others. No, I'm really praying for myself because until I can love myself, I can't love you. Until I can forgive myself, I can't forgive you. Until I humble myself, I have no humility toward you and your humanness. And I'm, I know I'm running out of time. So uh, that's eight and nine. Um, nine step promises uh, complete the first phase of recovery. And 10, 11, and 12 is that second phase. And like I said, by that time, I'm more willing to realize my thinking is kind of screwed up. I'm not even drinking and my thinking is screwed up. I need help. And so I turn to that power that I found in step three and the rest of the book and the program to help me with my thinking because I now know that my thinking is going to lead to my drinking if it's untreated. I'm either going to treat my disease with a drink or I'm going to treat it with the program. Option number one, option number two, real simple. Um, I love the fact that um, page 88, I'm going to get ready to end. Page 88, it, it, it tells me that I need to check my motives at all times, that I even need to be aware of things like being too excited. What's wrong with being too excited? Because I don't, I act on impulse. Uh, I'll end with this. The Keys to the Kingdom, page 275. A is not a plan for recovery that can be finished and done with. It is a way of life, and the challenge contained in its principles is great enough to keep any human being striving for as long as he lives. We do not, cannot outgrow this plan. As arrested alcoholics, we must have a program for living that allows for limitless expansion. Thank you guys for having me. Linda R. from Atlanta, Georgia, and it's in the book, the name of her homework. I love it. I love how she finished with page 275 from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This has been our speaker series edition on Two Sober Chats.